you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. I bring in my friend, Daniel. Daniel, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well, Sangram. How are you? Okay, I'm going to play this for you. This is, I don't know if people can make out, like this is a little OG as well. I like this. I've, I never heard this one. All right, tell me, tell me history about this song, this music. How did this become your favorite song? Oh, well, so I've got a, I've got a lot of different Spotify playlists going right now. And uh, one of them, I was trying to dig up old favorites from this genre. And so I was just going through my Spotify playlist when you asked me for a song to share. And I, I was trying to find one that was appropriate. And that one was the first one on the list. So, uh, but no, I mean, Flowbots, Flowbots is pretty good. I mean, I think that was, that album's pretty old now. I don't know, maybe 20 years old. So. Yeah, it, it's old, but it's cool. It got beats, man. It got beats. All right. So Daniel, um, you put something on LinkedIn and I said, hey, why don't we just hop on and do a LinkedIn Live literally last week. So that's how fluid this is, folks. We are literally just going in and, and trying to get great conversations going. So uh, everything you put out there, you never know what's, what's going to come out of it. So, hey, Erica, Dean, good to see you, my friend. Jen, uh, thanks for joining in. Omar, very cool for you to join. So we're going to talk about growth marketing. We're going to talk about uh, things that are changing in marketing right now that people are, need to start paying attention to. And I'm going to share a little bit about you, Daniel, and then let you rip on all the things that you have been up to. But you are the co-founder of Kronos. Uh, this is a recent thing you 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 created and you started. Um, I remember you last year when we did B2B SMX, you won uh, the Marketer of the Year award at B2B SMX. So you're listening to someone who has done some really cool things. Um, you have been a Terminus customer in full disclosure for a long period of time. And uh, we had you in the office uh, to share your story in front of the entire organization as part of our customer in the month in flesh show that we do internally. So everybody in the organization knows who our customers are, what they, what, what matters to them. And, and so you had, you did really, really well and people really loved everything you do. So I was asking you, how many people do you talk to on, a, on an average week of terminus? You're like probably 10. So there's a lot of people who love you. And, and there's all, you're also director of growth and marketing at, uh, at Phenonic where a lot of these things are happening. So you got an incubator thing going on and then you got a real job that's, so you get to play in both sides. So, man, I, I can't wait to jump into it. So let me know if I missed anything there. Well, I would say uh, you said in the beginning when you introed me, you hoped that you were my friend. I would definitely say you're my friend, Sarah. So let me just clarify. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's what I'm up to. You know, um, like you said, still still doing fun stuff with Phenonic and also now working with a bunch of other folks through Kronos. So it's been it's been a wild ride for sure. But glad to be here. Yeah. That's so cool, bud. So you wrote a couple of things. One, you wrote on LinkedIn. I got a, a printout right now here with me. You wrote about this idea that you just wrapped up a seven-week event-turned-webinar ABM campaign, and you paired yeah. it with Cardot and you know, Terminus and, and a few other technologies and got nearly 2x lift, and you literally detailed down tactic by tactic and results around it. So I wanted to dig into to that because a lot of people are turning their events into virtual and 
Yes, that all sounds good. Yes, people are spending more time online, so they're probably registering a lot more. But is it working? I, like, I really haven't heard from anybody yeah. if their revenues are increasing, if their uh, attendance is actually driving the right kind of conversations. With their, I mean, I'm just not hearing a whole bunch of positive results. So when I saw your post, I was like, dude, we gotta, we gotta jump into this because people need to know what's working and what's not. So could you give a, a high level view of like, what is, what was this campaign all about? And then yeah. we can jump into the specifics. Sure. So we, for, for Fanonic, for one of our verticals, we do a big uh, show trade show every year it's in March. And so we had been priming, priming the audience to join us at the trade show and uh, you know, schedule appointments at the booth and things like that. And we were, I would say halfway through executing that effort when all of the COVID stuff started getting really hot and all the events started getting canceled. And so actually before the event canceled itself, we pulled out from the event and, uh, and kind of went quiet for a couple of weeks, but because it's such a hot event for the industry and it's a very well attended international event, particularly a lot of people from the APAC region, um, it's one of the ways that our customers just learn about the latest technology. And for those who aren't familiar with Phenonic, we're constantly putting out innovative new technology in, in that space in particular. So there's a lot of advancements year over year in the category. So it was very important to get the message out. So after we kind of shut down the event, we decided to, to try to still serve our customers the knowledge through a live event instead. And so it was kind of a spur of the moment. Hey, why don't we put on a live event where our customers can show up and still get the information? So we put on a webinar and we've done webinars before, you know, I would say once or twice a year we do webinars. So we don't, we don't do them all the time, but we've done them consistently over the last four years or so. And so we have a pretty good track record uh, or at least a pretty good historical metrics on who's coming and how often and what kind of attendance we can expect and things like that. So hold on, Daniel. Yeah. I, I want to jump in uh, for the folks who are online just type in how many webinars you do because you said one or two a year. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming most people who are listening to this are probably doing like a lot more than that. But I'm, I'm just curious, um, you know, Jen and Erica and uh, Mar and uh, folks are online right now. Just type in how many webinars do you, are you launching right now um, this year or plan to do it or what's your historical record? Because I think it'd be interesting to compare as you get into more of these results. So sorry, keep yeah. going. Yeah, I will, I will also say that we are planning more webinars now than what we did last year, reallocating some of that budget uh, from the from the live events. So anyway, about two weeks before um, the event was supposed to happen, we switched all of our ads to webinar and switched all the CTAs to webinar. And uh, so we had to pivot all the messaging and the CTAs and the landing pages and everything and so then uh, we layered on a bunch of email to these two people who have historically either attended webinars with us or joined us in our trade show booths in the past and uh, tried to get them converted over to the webinar. So, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the campaign was anything earth shatteringly new. It was more about how can we pivot? We've already, we've already built all this content. We're ready to go, but the events canceled. How can we pivot? And, um, and so we just decided to throw up the, the live event and, um, 
And then from a performance perspective, just in terms of the event itself, I think we got, I can't, it was something like three X, the number of people who had, who had attended previous wow. one we had done. It was, uh, which we don't, we don't, I'm going to give away the, the numbers, but we don't, um, we don't do huge webinars. So there was something like 500 people who attended it. And previously we had had like 160 or 170. And, and that's significant because there's only about 50 accounts, 50 or 60 accounts that we target. And they're fairly large and they're very geographically distributed in terms of the mm. people who work there as well as where they're located. So it was a very healthy audience for what we were, for, for what we were trying to put out. So, um, so, you know, it was interesting to look in the metrics and see how did perform, how did the performance of the ads change pre and post COVID and how did it change with a live event versus a in-person event and, and things like that. And so as we were chatting earlier, mostly I was, I, I knew obviously that there was a hot topic of switching over to live events or like streamed live events. So, and we were, this was right at the beginning of March. So um, we were right on the front end of that. So I thought, well, let's just tee up anything and everything that we can test and just see what we can learn. And so we were, we were testing the ad cadences, the ad formats, the ad CTAs, but also the email messaging and the times of days and things like that. And then we were just comparing to previous webinars. We went through and looked at all the other ones we had done and what went well and what didn't do well, just trying to see you know, how is this going to go and what can we learn and should we be doing more of them? So we were also really interested to see what it would it be worth it? Would people show up? You know, there was a lot of debate on whether people would show up because it normally is an in-person event. So it was, it was, a, um, I mean, like, like you said, it was a seven ish week thing and uh, it ended up being a pretty interesting experiment. So talk to, talk to me about, more specifically, like what tactics, what were the results? Just to give a high level view, because you broke it down. And for folks who haven't um, seen the details, I'll put a link in there later on to, to your uh, yeah. post that you did, because you broke it down by number of tactics, number of ads you ran. Um, I don't know if you, so what was the mix of the webinar to get people to it? So just list that out um, um, because you have different levels of tactics and then, um, what were the results of it? Because this is obviously you haven't closed deals. I'm assuming you've like done everything in there, but the results were still spectacular for us to even have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the several things that I wanted to explore, one was, um, ad formats and I've, I've tested ad formats a lot and, and I almost always test them now. So animated versus non-animated, we, we were testing, you know, does the, does the animated ad still hold the weight that it has held in the past? Because if you've seen some of my tests in the past, the animated ads can can perform four or five X better from a CTR perspective mm -hmm. than the static ads. And so we tested animated versus static. And as it turned out this time around, the static ads did almost as well as the animated. The animated ones still were better, but the static ones did okay. Then we tested the calls to action around, you know, webinar versus learn, like, register for webinar versus learn more versus set appointment things like that. And we were, so we test a lot of the messaging. Uh, but what was more interesting this time was testing the structure of the tactics. So hmm. we split, we took the accounts and, and because the, the TAM is relatively small, all of the accounts are important to us. So I just took them and split half into tier one and half into tier two, where tier one was um, one to one ad channels and tier two was one, one to few. 
And, um, and the main thing I was watching for was impression coverage and like how the, how the budget spent against the accounts when I was doing it. So by giving the tier one tactics, um, dedicated daily budgets, uh, versus the tier two getting kind of a group budget, um, it got, I want to say they, uh, in the, in a couple of weeks leading up, the tier ones had something like 17% better coverage from an impressions perspective than the tier two. And it was nothing more than just structuring the tactics to be one-to-one -one versus one-to-many so that they had their own budgets. But what we learned on the back end of that was the 17% more impressions that were being delivered ended up having a significant uh, lift in, in how well the, the, the accounts engaged. And if I remember correctly, it was something like, I'm doing this from memory, the tier ones, 100% of them engaged and the tier twos is like 85% of them engaged with the ads. So wow. we tested, so, you know, 85% is still good, but 100% is awesome. And <laughs> especially in the, if the only thing that you're changing is how you structure the tactics, because we still, we, it was the same budget. I, I didn't mention that. We had the same budget plan. It was how does the budget get spent and, and doing it that way gave a more even spread. So, yeah. and it's important to point out that the accounts I I picked were, it was totally random. So I didn't like cherry pick the best accounts or anything like that. I, I, I mean, the TAM that we were targeting was a good set, but the difference between tier one and tier two was purely random as far as how we set it up. So from an ads perspective, the biggest thing I learned was about um, like evening out the spread of the impressions coverage. And I've, I've long held the belief of getting over a threshold of ad engagement, you know, positively improves the, the rest of the performance. And I think, you know, we continued to see this here, but it was interesting that the number ended up being 17% more ads. So the next time around, I would be looking at, at, you know, what's that threshold and is it 17% or is it 15% or is it 20% or, or whatever the case, but if you can get a hundred percent, then that's pretty good from an, from an ad engagement perspective. And then, um, and then on top of that, we started layering a lot of email and, uh, I mean, email is pretty normal to use and, um, we structure everything. We, we had a couple of different types of email. We were doing broad email, which we took basically anybody who's ever registered for one of our webinars in the past who hadn't, who was opted into our system. Uh, as well as any of the like event scans. And that was our broad list, not necessarily target accounts. I mean, target accounts were in there, but not necessarily. And we did some broad emailing um, for that. And then we did some very targeted, very personalized emailing, which we typically also do to the target accounts. And one of the things I've learned along the way is, is how personalized do you need to make the email? And I think about mm -hmm. it as like factors of personalization. So when you put the tokens in, is it first name? Is it company name? Is it web address or whatever? And I have learned uh, that four factors of personalization has a significant improvement over three. And so that was something we were testing this time. But, but the bigger thing we were testing this time around was um, time of day. I mean, basically anytime you're ever sending email, it's always worth it to test something. And so um, even if you're just splitting your list and testing uh, day parts or, or subject lines or whatever the case. So this time around, we were testing uh, time of day, if I remember correctly, was, was one of the big ones that we were testing. And then I can't, from, from memory, I want to say, or go ahead. Yeah, what was the time of day that, that seemed to be working? I want to say it was 1 p.m. Eastern that performed the best. 
you know, we we were measuring. We measured both on open rate and click rate. And I don't. I should have. I should have get my got my notes up for this. But I tend to value the open rate over the click rate for performance of emails, just because click rate is more about the content of the email, and open rate is more about you know time of day or or subject line or something like that. So yeah. we were looking at open rate. So I want to say it was one p.m., but I could go back and check on that. So we tested. I think it was five times that we tested across these list and we use the broader list to do that. And, um, and so, um, so we learned a little bit about that. Uh, but what was interesting when we got done was, uh, the impact that the type of email had on, uh, the account attendance. So what, what was most interesting when I got through looking at everything was how did the ads spur engagement with the webinar? And then how did the email spur engagement with the email with the webinar? And then how did the ads plus email spur engagement with the webinar? And then was there a difference when it was run one-to-one or personalized or whatever the case? And so basically just ended up being some Excel work of kind of splitting out the different segments and, and seeing how they, how they worked. And I want to say that the, the tier ones, who, who got tier one ads plus emails had had an average of four people attend from the account and the uh, and the the kind of the other end of the spectrum where they were getting tier two ads and broader email had an average of I think it was like 1.4 uh, if they were target account people attend so across all of it though the average ended up being about twice as many people who would attend or 2x left in in um in attendance at the account if they saw ads plus emails. So the main thing, you know, was trying to figure out so, were the ads worth it? Or I'm sorry. Yeah. Were so, so yeah, like I think you're, yeah, you're jumping on that, like, you know, were were ads worth it? Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm really that's exactly what my question was going to be. Well, I th- I absolutely think they are. I think there's there's a couple of reasons for that. And so I think it has to do a lot of it has to do with how you structure your ad tactics as well. I've been a big fan for a long time of very narrowly targeting your ads. And so through Terminus, we target not only the departments, but also the job titles. And I'm always very focused on getting the the cookie pool down as narrow as it can go and still be meaningful. So the ad budgets that we are running, you know, for some of these target accounts is, is like $5 a day. And so uh, we don't run, I mean, we're not spending massive amounts of, of ad spend. I think for this whole effort across the roughly two months, we spent like $1,500 in ad spend across all of the accounts. And, and, and these deals are multi-million dollar deals and uh, that, gen- that we generate in this vertical. And so if you add $1,500 of ad spend over the week to test some of this stuff, you know, and we're seeing click-through rates, uh, I mean, we, we, this vertical will routinely see click-through rates in like the 1% range, like 1%. That's massive, you know, compared to some of the other verticals where we'll see like a 0.2 or a 0.15 or something like that. So so personally, I think when you look at the numbers, it was pretty, I mean, it was undeniable that when they saw ads and emails, there was a significant lift. But then it was what kinds of ads and in what way were the ads executed that you saw even bigger lift. And so for me, like next time around, I'm definitely going to run the tactics one to one, all of them, not just half of them. I'm definitely going to run the ads. And, uh, you know, it's debatable. Past experience has told me to run animated. So I'll probably continue to run animated, although it didn't have a a massive lift this time. And then the email, I think, obviously was very important as well. 
I mean, I think of the ads as the passive engagement and the email as the active engagement. I think you need both, you know, when you're doing it. So definitely what I, I would run the ads and definitely I'd run the email. And then I played around a little bit with the cadence of the ads. And I think we probably could have done, we probably could do less weeks of advertising instead of doing seven weeks of advertising. We could probably do five weeks or four weeks of advertising. And, uh, but you know, there's different things like that. We'll look at next time around. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned when you were here um, at the office, this was like, wow, uh, almost a year ago, maybe uh, you were, you were at the Thomas office and you mentioned something that was that I'm I'm curious if you would still say that uh, you shared the, the fact that look, you, you have set up demand gen teams, at least at five other different companies. Yeah, their MarTech stack and all that. So you've literally rebuilt or newly built literally the entire MarTech stack at least five, four or five different organizations. And I remember when you went to Phenonic, your immediate thought was like, hey, I need to go with ABM right off the bat. Um, I don't need to have all the technology in the world. I need to start doing ABM. I'm not necessarily saying like go Terminus or not. Like that's not obviously the point of it. It's like, but the strategy that you felt necessary for your organization and from the very get-go was very account-centric, very personalized, very specific, pretty much what I feel like is what you're talking about now more than ever. Would you say the same thing now? Or would you say like, well, now this is more important than it was a year ago? I definitely think it's very important. I, I felt that it's very, has been important for a long time, you know, and what I do now with Kronos is basically help people stand up marketing orgs from the ground up just on repeat for other businesses. And so it's very ABM centric. It is so much more efficient and so much more cost effective, not only in terms of like variable spend, but in terms of effort expended to do the account-based approach and the ads when executed thoughtfully um, are just so much more efficient and time and time and time again, the data shows when you run the ads in advance of your other tactics, whatever they are, the other tactics perform better. And if if you ran, if you were going to run a webinar and you were going to promote it via email right now, and it, you could spend fifteen hundred dollars for seven weeks and get twice the number of, of people to attend from your target accounts, would you spend that fifteen hundred dollars? I mean, not everybody has fifteen hundred dollars, and I respect that, but I, I absolutely would. And yeah, maybe if you're only doing one thing a year the cost of the rest of the technology doesn't pay out. But it's when you scale that up 30 or 40 times across all the different things you're doing that you really get the efficiency. So whether it's the calling where we've seen significant lift or the emailing or, or webinars or whatever, or even for live events, every time that we run the ads in advance in the way that I'm talking about here, there's lift in performance. And the, the secret sauce is figuring out how much do I need to run and when do I need to run and, and, and what, in what format do I need to run? So I, I, I absolutely think that the account-based advertising is important. I mean, the account-based methodology is, is the secret sauce and the advertising is part of that. And I think yeah. when you think, when you think, cause I'm not only thinking about the, the $1,500 of ad spend, I'm thinking about the cost and creative and the cost and effort. I mean, the time your team is spending to go put together the landing pages and the email campaigns or build the assets or whatever it is to go do all that. You know, not only is it does it cost you time, but also it adds days in between execution. 
And so, so much of what I've been doing at Phenonic and what I do for others now is how do I get up and going fast? And even if your budget is unlimited and your resources are deep, you still have time taken away on the calendar and you can't. And, and so, you, you know, if, if you're trying to hit the goals now, not three weeks from now or eight weeks from now, you need to be able to move now. And so that's that's a big part of the reason why I like account based display because you can stay, you can create an ad set in an hour or two, and you can have your tactic launched today, and you can be testing your messaging and testing your segmentation and testing your audiences and engaging them proactively, you know, in an afternoon. And and basically, all other tactics that you're going to run take more effort than, I mean, substantially more effort than that. So I mean, there's there's so many different ways to answer that question, and I, it's hard to, it's hard to answer it succinctly. But yeah, I absolutely think it's important. I, I've just seen so many dollars wasted in terms of time and in terms of actual dollars by by just spray and pray or broadly broadly targeting, broadly engaging, you know, versus the account based approach. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am heavily biased towards the account based approach and have been for a couple of years now, um, and, I, and I would still highly recommend it. That's great, man. Um, I, um, you know, I'd love for you to share a challenge with everybody as I wrap up with this. We try to keep it to like 25, 30 minutes because I think everyone needs to really start thinking about what does their marketing approach look like today? And if it wasn't working before, it'll work now. And you need to like really reframe almost every single interaction. I'm seeing Erica talk about, you know, our ROI turned to ROR by personalization. You know, Chad obviously does bring some great energy. We have Jen who is talking about like they've done virtual events now, but, you know, we, they're doing more virtual events. Now. Not, they hadn't, hadn't done more events before. Um, Emily, um, you know, Derek, like there's just so many people who are doing events and doing webinars and doing virtual events right now. Got to look at are the right people coming to it and are you creating the right kind of engagement with it? And what are your best things you could do to layer on? So a few things that I learned, and then I love for you to share a challenge with everybody listening to this. Number one, you talked about this tiering approach. Very few people do it. Like I'll challenge everybody to think about like, do you tier in your accounts? Just go ahead and say yes or no, because I think tiering is the number one thing most organizations miss completely and they just launch into a strategy into the doing of it without thinking of it and if you're doing account based like and if you've heard anything i've ever said is like go back and go back and do real tiering so i love what you said the other part you said was this four factor personalization which is don't just try to personalize name and the company name really get into more of the personalization so erica like similar to what you just said and the third thing that I will leave with is the time of the day. Um, I got some comments around like, you know, what time it works for people. Uh, I'm, I'm like really curious, like later on, just hit both Daniel and I, we both are active on LinkedIn. Like what time of the day works for you? Because as soon as you figure out, it's going to get ruined because everybody's going to be sending emails during at the same exact time and it's not going to work anymore. So it works until it doesn't. Uh, but it's it's really important. I see a lot of people sending 5 a.m. emails or a lot of people sending like, you know, say like 4 p.m. Like you got to really think about where your target account is and if it makes sense uh, around it. So, Daniel, dude, that was really tactical. And that's really what I wanted this time is not just go superficial. I wanted it to be tactical so people can take it and and re-listen to some of the elements that you said, especially the last uh, last half of it where you got into more specifics. 
Um, but what is the one challenge you want to give to every marketer who's trying to take their events and go webinars? Well, you know, I, I didn't make this one up. Somebody, somebody challenged me with this a couple of years ago, and they said, take a look at what you're currently doing and see how you can apply an ABM lens to it. And it's always stuck with me. And so, like, putting that into practice, even with if you're going to run a webinar right now, just take half your list or take 10 accounts or 100 accounts or whatever whatever you can do and execute it in an account-based way. You know, maybe split out for these accounts, actually do the four-factor personalization, even if you have to do it manually, and just measure the difference. You know, just take a look at what you're doing, see how you could do it in an account-based way, whatever's feasible for you, even if you have to brute force it, run it, and then look at the difference, and then you'll know, you know, and 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 so many times when you're trying to build the use case internally and build, build kind of the buy-in, if you can take it out of the abstract and put it in the context of your business, and you can say to the sales guy, hey, look what I got when we targeted these 10 accounts in this way. And then the sales guy says back, well, you should have targeted those 10 accounts. That's what you want to hear, you know? And so, so I think, you know, you don't necessarily need to go buy the, the newest technology to try some of this stuff out and, and learn for yourself and build the business case. So I think just constantly looking for opportunity to test and looking for an opportunity to test in an account-based way can give you a lot of insight that that can can move the can really move the needle in terms of both willingness to do ABM, but also just performance and the tactics themselves. I love that, man. I absolutely love that. So folks, you heard it right over here. Daniel, thank you so much for jumping. Literally last week we hit up and we, we're doing this today. Um, on Wednesday, we're gonna have Morgan J. Ingram, which I know Daniel, you know him as well, and a lot of people know. We're gonna talk about how to sell when nobody's buying, like literally bringing a sales perspective into it. We got a whole bunch of marketers so far. So bringing a salesperson in to talk about how do you sell when nobody's buying? How do you actually do the calls? How do you go through the follow-up process as a salesperson? And if you're a marketer, you gotta to listen to that because you, your job is to help sales win. Otherwise you don't have a job, like period. So with that being said, Daniel, thank you. And everybody else who joined in, thank you so much. See you Wednesday 9 a.m. Thanks, guys.